God's Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. As the circumstances of the world become more extreme and confusing, we must tune our ears to the voice of our Heavenly Father. His revelation is essential to navigate the road ahead. Welcome to Current Affairs with Sam Soul. In this broadcast, I want to address two things. The mark of the beast and the name of the beast. Before we move into deconstructing, there's a third third subject matter, and that is the number, the number of the beast. So there's the mark, the name, and the number of the beast. And we'll proceed in that fashion to speak about the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So in the context it says, he causes, this is uh, Revelation 13, 16. He causes all, this is this man of lawlessness who is the personification of the spirit of the beast which in turn has been fully empowered by Satan. So in many respects, like the church is the the compendium of all that represents Christ in the earth and Christ is the head of it, so Satan has his counterfeit and in his counterfeit there is, uh, like his church, so to speak, that's the beast, one with seven heads and ten horns. And like Christ is the head who speaks and the body moves by the head, so this anti-Christ, this lawless one, this anti-Messiah embodies the spirit of Satan, just like the, just like the the global kingdom embodies the spirit of Satan, and is is the global kingdom is like the church embodying the spirit of God. Uh, the lawless one is like Christ, who puts on display the spirit of God, the essence of God dwelt in Christ. The fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Christ in bodily form and He now is the head of the body. So that that is in Christ is in general uh, application and general relevance generally to be encountered in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the church which is His body. So in in a reverse order, the spirit of Satan is in the, the, the lawless one. And we already talked about how he will be destroyed with the breath, with the Spirit of God in revelation. As God gives revelation, it'll, it'll, 
blow up his paradigms, it'll destroy uh, his, his assertions in the place of the truth. All that he's saying are lying deceptions which gain traction amongst people until there arises in the earth that mature body of believers who speak the truth and embody the truth. So uh, revelation, the breath of God's mouth, the breath of Christ's mouth, because Christ is the one to whom all the things of God have been entrusted. Uh, So revelation spoken through the body of Christ will uh, demythologize, will deconstruct, will destroy, will damage irreparably uh, the the ideas of Satan himself. Just as the church then is configured according to the truth that is in Christ, so the ways of the body of Christ are determined by by who Christ is, what He says, what He does, as led by the Holy Spirit today. So the, the cosmos will be opposed by the body of Christ. And here you, you can easily understand why both have to grow up and become fully mature, why the body of Christ has to grow up and become fully mature and why the ways of Satan and the cosmos have to grow up and become fully mature. The end of the age is this conflict between that which is Christ and that which is against Christ, that which is the truth and that which is deception, that which is mature in putting on display the nature of God and that which is mature in putting on display the nature of the evil one. It's how it's going to end and everybody has to choose. The Zion of God will emerge and be that city upon a hill and the beast will emerge together with its spokesman and everybody who has not chosen will have to choose, including Christians, including Christians. So, When choice is made in the church, it will result in maturity for some and the falling away for others when there is no middle ground. Because these are not the days where the message of going to heaven when you die is what God is saying in the earth. These are the days when growing up into the fullness of the stature that belongs to Christ will be the imperative. And we're already there. I mean, I'm thinking when I started my journey, nobody was talking about believers becoming mature. I mean, Billy Graham held sway in those days and his message was, Give me your hand, give God your heart, join the church of your choice and essentially do good works till you go to heaven because in true Calvinism, true Calvinistic doctrine, that's how you know you are chosen to go to heaven. But 
Billy Graham's gospel began and end, ended with going to heaven when you die. And his whole motivational pitch was, what would happen to you if you died tonight? You know, do you know where you will spend eternity? Um, those are not the messages that are preached so commonly anymore, even in Baptist churches, but they underlie the theology of evangelicals. And it was never, it was never the quote, full gospel. It was part of the gospel. And it remains just part of the gospel. But at one point it was made to be all of the gospel. And that was never accurate. Now, the growing up and maturing of the body of Christ is an absolute necessity for the confrontation between the cosmos and the kingdom of heaven in the end of the age. And God will see to it that everyone chooses. And if you choose not to, you'll be part of that which fell away and became subject to the man of lawlessness. Let me say this from like a third different angle. Increasingly, because you're alive today, this message is applicable to you. You must grow up or you will fall away. How's that for being direct? I'll say it again. You must grow up in these times or you will fall away. There is no There is no sitting on the fence. If you're in the body of Christ, you must grow up or you will fall away. Because those are the only two things said about the body of Christ. That it grows into the fullness of the statue of Christ or it becomes part of the harlot. The harlot isn't the world. The harlot is the church the church that has fallen away. Now, it's very likely I'm going to make people quite mad at me and I can hear the language. He has no mercy. If you disagree with him, he he thinks your, your point of view is irrelevant. All of that. I really don't care. I will answer to God for what I say. How you deal with it, that's up to you and God. But if you're wise, you will recognize the truth when you hear it. This is not a time when you can continue to play these church games. This is not a time when you go and listen to a preacher because he tickles your ear, he tells you what you already know. If you're not being challenged, if you're not being upset in the place where you are by the word you're hearing, then you're asleep. Five foolish virgins were excluded in Matthew 25, the story of the ten virgins, because they were asleep and unprepared. Now, all of them were sleeping, but 
Five of them were prepared even while they were resting. But five were foolish because they were resting, in that case sleeping, and had not paid attention to their preparations. They had forgotten that this was about being ready to meet the bridegroom, which has to do with putting him on display when he appears, when he appears in his own house. This isn't about Jesus coming back from heaven. This is about Christ in you, bringing you to maturity for the purposes to which maturity suits you or equips you in the last days, in the end of the age. So, this, the importance cannot be understated or cannot be overstated, uh, the importance of becoming mature. It is the only usefulness uh, that you will have in the end of the age, a great falling away. Now, this lawless one, it says, causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads and no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, these are three separate things. The mark, the name, and the number of the name. Now, the word mark is an interesting word. It's the Greek word karagma, C-H-A-R-A-G-M-A, karagma. It's from the word karax, which is the root word for the term image that is the word character, C-H-A-R-A-K, This is different from the word icon. The word icon may as well represent a spirit living in a person, so that the person becomes an icon, a representational icon of the thing. We've we've already addressed that earlier uh, when we said, when we spoke about uh, creating an image of the beast. The physical man containing the spirit of the evil one is the image of the beast when he speaks. He gives breath that way to the image of the beast. But now we're not talking about that man, but we're talking about people who've now been made subject to the beast by that man, by that lawless one and they have to receive a mark. And that's the word karagma, which relates to the word character. Now the word character and karagma, character is a tool for engraving. 
It's how you, it's how you imprint or impress an image upon metal, like in coinage. So an image and superscription that is referenced as character means the way that metal placed in a die or a, an engraving tool, a, a die is an engraving tool and typically you would pour metal uh, or blanks, uh, the unstamped metal is called a blank. If you're making coins, you would put the precious metal in, uh, in the, uh, in the uh, as a blank in the engraver, in this case a die and pressure would be exerted sufficient to imprint the image that you wish to imprint in, in, in that blank metal, so now it carries the image and superscription. And this is the way you form coins which have value beyond the impression. They become spendable currency of the, of the domain uh, that these, current, these, these coins represent. So it's a tool of, it, a character is a tool of engraving or the finished engraving. Karagma is to be marked, to be imprinted, to be stamped. So that's the mark. The mark of the beast is a stamp. Now, it goes with the name of the beast and it goes with the number of his name. Before I get into that, go over one more chapter to chapter 14 and here's an interesting, this is Revelation chapter 14, verse 1, Then I looked and behold a lamb standing on Mount Zion and with him one hundred and forty and four thousand, by the way this is the counter the 140 and 4,000 defines a people differently than those who are defined by bearing the, the number six, uh, three sixes. So you, you're seeing the juxtaposition. But don't, don't leave it to my speculation. Verse 2, this 144,000 having his, the Lamb's Father's name written on their foreheads. Where is the mark of the beast written? On their foreheads or on their right hand? You see the comparison? Now, are you of the mind that this is mechanically imprinted? 
How do you put the name of the, of the father of the Lamb, which, who is described as the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? How do you imprint that upon the foreheads of this exalted company? Does he go around tattooing them? Does he vaccinate them? As some have of late uh, been inclined to believe. There's, the church is awash with foolishness. But you can't hardly believe the passion with which people are holding on to absolute rubbish. And because they do not know the truth, they perish. That's why the world can make such fun of Christians. They do not have the wisdom of God. They're trying to appeal to the cosmos by the ways of the cosmos. No, the Father's name on your forehead means, means that your spirit is in fellowship with the Holy Spirit you have been confirmed as a son of God and now immature son of God, so your mind is his mind. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ, who though found in the form of man, humbled himself even to death on a cross and God highly exalted him. The point at which we have the clearest understanding of the Father's name on His forehead was when He said, the Lord Jesus Christ said, Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's when the name of the Father is completely engraved upon His forehead, which is to say, His mind was the mind of God, synonymous with, indistinguishable from the mind of God. So that's why he could say, I say, I I do nothing of my own. It's the Father who lives in me who is doing His work. I only do what I see my Father doing. I speak what I hear. So it's not For God's sake, it's not a tattoo on your forehead. It's not that. So it makes painfully obvious. It's not anything that is injected in your body. It's a mindset. It's not a vaccine. You ought to evaluate the vaccine on the basis of its efficacy and or potential dangers, like you would any other medicine. Let me tell you plainly, we ought not to rely on the world, but we may use the world. That's what the Scriptures say, use the world, but do not rely on it. I'm amazed that people say, you can't, in, in medical terms, you can't get vaccines because they are pharmacia. 
and that's witchcraft. And all of that's true, but all of the systems of the cosmos may be described in this way, not just the medical system, the, the legal system is called an adversarial system. And yet people have to go to the law to settle all matter of things. Doesn't make it verboten for the believer, means you can't rely on it. So if forgiveness is the more divine option, then you forgive. If reconciliation is the better option, then you reconcile. The economy of the world, banking, it's all based in usury, things that are strictly forbidden in the scriptures. Does that mean you can't use a bank? Anytime you're using a bank, you're involved in usury. They're taking your money and lending it to other people and collecting for it. So does that mean you put it under the mattress? No, it's, it's the childish, juvenile ways that the church has come to and it's what passes for wisdom. No, the, the mark, first and foremost, the mark is an imprint by which your thoughts have been shaped. That's the notion of karagma, like character. The end result is you look like the person who has imprinted you. So the mark of the beast is that you have the mind of the cosmos. You've come to rely on it rather than on God. There doesn't have to be a mark on your body for you to have the mark of the beast. The forehead is a particular reference to the mind, just like the heart is a particular reference to your convictions. If it said you have to have a, a a mark on your heart. Does that mean that you have to have a chip implanted into your, your heart? No. God judges by the heart. How does He do that? He understands your behavior, what you love. The beast imprints a mark or the, 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 uh, the lawless one causes people to be imprinted with the philosophy of the cosmos. So they believe it as thoroughly as if they were marked as slaves to it, because that's what you would do with a slave. You'd mark a slave in his forehead, or you would mark a slave in his right hand, because whereas the forehead represents uh, your thinking, your right hand represents your economy, your strength. So you've been thoroughly co-opted by the, by the beast, in regards to how you think and how you act as these things relate to buying or selling. Your survival, your provision, your protection, none of this has to be imprinted on you personally. If you capture the mind, if you restrict the economy, all but those who trust in God will fall in line. So what is the mark? What is the mark of the beast? It's a mindset. 
We haven't talked about what the number is and what that signifies, but it's a mindset. And what is the name of the beast? Well, we'll get to that because I'm out of time right now. So we'll come to the name and the number as we continue these discussions. But I hope by going through this methodically, we're blowing away the smoke and preparing a path for you to be able to receive the truth. The truth will set you free from all of this Christian mythology that you've been fed by so-called prophets who have no idea what the scriptures are saying and yet they speak as if they are in full command of the knowledge of these things. These things are coming forth now and at this time because the people need to be mature and this is how they're being prepared, not this silly mystical stuff. The Bible is interpreting itself as it ought to. That's what it means for men of understanding to arise in the last days. You have to understand the scriptures. It's the understanding of the scriptures. It's not the underst- it's not speculating and pulling things from uh, popular news shows and what people are thinking in the world today. That's not understanding. That's not even information. I mean, that's not even knowledge. That's just information. Understanding is what comes as a result of the Spirit of God imparting generously of one of His characteristics to us. The whole scripture is written by inspiration of the Spirit of God and is profitable, shall I remind you, for instructions in righteousness, is profitable for doctrine, so that the man of God might be thoroughly furnished to every good work. You cannot interpret the book of Revelation without placing it as it is in the rest of Scripture. That's what we're doing. And when you do that, it's not, understanding comes. Understanding comes. The name of the Father on their foreheads, the name of the beast, or the number of his name on the forehead or the right hand, has to do with your mindset and your economy. That's how you're controlled by the beast. That's also how you're controlled by the Spirit of God. And Sam Solon will continue to unpack the name and the number. I'll talk to you then. Bye-bye.